Amen. He, uh, he is the God of hills and valleys. Hey, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? It's come on, yeah. Amen. This is great. And also, I want to give you the opportunity to say thanks once again to our, our worship team. Uh, we're just so blessed. We're just so blessed. Can you let them know with your hands how much we appreciate them? Amen. I mean, keep in mind, I want you to know some. Keep in mind that this crew was here at 8 o'clock this morning, and actually a little bit earlier than that, and did a bit of warm-up and stuff, and, and they served the first service group and then the second service group, and we're, I very much appreciate it. And this is one of the times, you know, Trey and I work together you know, each week with the, with the songs, and he's just tremendous to work with. Um, but this particular week, wow, every, everything you've heard so far points to the message today, including the, the video song, which I picked, though, and it's entitled um, uh, Hills and Valleys. You know, I think you figured out probably that, you know, life, life is about hills and valleys. There's, there's days when we're up and there's days when we're down. There's, there's days when the circumstances are so that, wow, we're on the mountaintop, and boy, then we're just not. We're just not. We're in, we're in the valleys. And, and here's the deal. It's just our nature to like the mountains. I know, I know. When I, every once in a while, Judy and I go to Pigeon Forge. We don't do it too often, uh, but it is one of our vacation places when we go. And uh, so you go there, and when Judy's picking the spot out for us to stay, you know, one of the primary things is, what's the view? What's the view? And, you know, you want to rent that cabin that you look out off the deck, and there's that wonderful view. Of, and, you know, we get to the cabin, we open the door, and almost the first thing we do, we run to the deck and go, Oh my goodness, look at that wonderful view. It's just in our nature. When we rent a condo down on the beach in Panama, Panama City Beach, when we go there sometimes, and, you know, and again, we try to get high up on the building, you know, and the first thing we do, we open the door, and then we go to the, to the balcony, and we look out, and there's the Gulf of Mexico. Way down there is the beach, and we go... Oh, what a view. Oh, what a view. And if you watch those, those TV shows when people are doing like the house hunter thing, you know, beach, beach front bargain hunt, that's it, beach front bargain hunt, you know, and, and they go and, and they, they check the house out and they go, oh, oh, here's the million dollar view, the million dollar view. People love the view from the mountaintop. And that's where we want to live all the time. That's where we want to stay all the time. You don't find too many people wanting the $5 valley view, the valley view. Most of us, again, are not happy we're in the valleys. In fact, we count it a success when, as Donnie sang about, when we have peace in the valley, that's pretty cool. Now, we count that as a win, but what we want to talk about today is just how important, we appreciate the valleys, excuse me, the mountaintops, but how important it is that we have the valleys. Now, our scripture this morning is verse number four, most of it. I guess you figured out this was supposed to be a one-month series. Yeah, it looks like it's going to go three. Um, we're going to end up on Palm Sunday as it stands right now, uh, finishing up the 23rd Psalm. But anyway, you know, you know, we, we're going to talk about, but the, today the chunk of the sermon is uh, even, though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And the reason why, you are with me. You are with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. We want to jump in and we're going to break this thing down into like five different parts, two or three words at a time because each set of words are just so significant. Our first one is this, just two words, even though. 
Even though. Now, if you're a note taker, I want you to put down the fact that, that even though is a statement of faith. It's a statement of faith. In other words, even if this happens, okay, even if this happens, I'm going to keep my faith in God. You know, you know, I don't know what your big deal is out there, what your, what your frightening thing is, what's your worst case scenario, what's your day of calamity. I don't know if it's a doctor's report. I don't know if it's finding out that your marriage is on the rocks. I don't know if, it, you know, kids, if it's a parent that goes, you know, goes wacko. You know, I don't know what it is, but out there somewhere is that for everyone. And here's the deal. We want to reach a point where regardless of that, he's our God of even though. Regardless of anything, he's still the God. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So we want to create an environment of even though. That, that God is with us no matter what happens. Now, we find a great scripture in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse number 17. It's an awesome scripture. And, and we find Habakkuk, and Israel's in trouble, you know. It's a very difficult time. And Habakkuk is making a statement of faith. And this is just so powerful. Um, here's what he says. Though the fig tree does not bud. Now, you keep in mind, with the bud deal, that, that means not only is there no fruit on the tree, there's no possibility of fruit. There's no buds. Now, not only, not only is the fruit going to fall off the tree, maybe, there are no buds. So even when the fig tree does not bud, and then he goes a step further and says, there's no fruit on the vines. There's no fruit. I mean, this, it's, it's looking bad. You know, though the olive crop fails. You know, the, the olives fall off the trees, and, and the fields produce no food. And, and, and though the flocks disappear from the pen, and there are no herds in the stalls. I mean, this is total calamity. And that might, be, that might be your even though. Out there somewhere is this even though, and you fear the total calamity of your world. It could be a bad doctor's report. You know, Danny was sharing with me three names of which I cannot remember right now. You know, you know we've, we've, we've been doing call-outs on one of them and actually a couple of them. And, and, you know, these are all young men who are fighting for their lives, who are fighting for their lives. It's a big calamity. It's a big deal, even though, though the fig tree doesn't bud and there's no fruit on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, even though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no stalls. What do you do? Yet, I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And, and what we want to do is, is even though, when we have this, you know, we have to have this even though mentality that no matter what happens, I'm going to trust God. But, but here's the deal. You've got to develop that now. You, you've got to develop it now. Now, here, here's our teaching point. Somewhere out there in your future, somewhere out there um, is your greatest fear. Somewhere out there is that claim. You, you know, you know, and, and it may change. I, I know several years back, I faced my greatest fear. I can tell you it's a Wednesday. I can tell you it's about 345 in the afternoon. And I faced that. It, it's not my greatest fear now, but it was at that point. And I was forced, if you will, to face that, to face that. So, so out there somewhere, out there somewhere is your greatest fear. And you need to be preparing right now for that. It may never happen. But the bottom line is you need to be prepared for that. You've got to be prepared, not, not physically, spiritually. 
And how you prepare is to determine that your God and your relationship with God is even though. Even though. Somewhere out there is your greatest fear. You need to determine now that your God is greater than your fear. You've got to nail it down right now that God is greater than my fear. You know, the bottom line is this. If you do this, you're going to have a better life with God. You say, well, why is that, Dwayne? The reason that is so is, is because when you, have a, when you have a mentality, when you have a faith, when you have a relationship with God that there's no deal breaker, then your relationship with him is solidified and stronger. But when you live your life and, and you say, okay, I will follow God if. I will, I will, I will stay my faith if. But when you remove that and say, hey, God, I want you to know something, no matter what, there is nothing on this world that will cause me to stop believing in you. And by the way, that's how he feels about you. There is nothing that you can do that will cause God to stop loving you. And the the reverse side of that is, okay, God, I'm declaring now, by faith, I'm declaring that there's nothing that's going to come into this world that will cause me to stop serving and loving you. That's so important that we do that. And, and you need, can I go one step further with you? This is harder now. Hey, God, there's nothing you will allow, because he's in sovereign control, or even that you'll do that will cause me to stop. Loving you. And that is a game changer for your relationship. Let me give you an example. There's a word that we should never utter, okay, in marriage. And actually, there's more than one, but this is a big one. And that's the word divorce. You know, I heard a long time ago and and put it in our marriage that, you know, we don't use the word divorce. You say, well, what's the big deal, Dwayne? I mean, what if I don't really mean it? I just say it. Well, here's the deal. When you throw that word out there, the security of the marriage is fractured. If you're a guy speaking it to your wife, okay, when you tell your wife, listen here, if you don't like it, I'll just divorce you. Instantly, the security of the marriage is fractured. It's not the same. And vice versa, by the way, when the woman says, listen here, I don't need you. I'll just divorce you. When that happens, the security of the marriage is fractured. And as long, as long as you've got somewhere in your vocabulary that God, if you don't do this, or God, if you do do this, I'm out of here. It fractures the security of your relationship. God won't disown you. You may disown God, but God will not disown you. But it just won't be the same. So, somewhere out there is your greatest fear. You need to determine now. You need to nail it down now that your God is greater than your fear. At that point, at that point, he becomes your God of even though. Imagine being able to say, God, even if. Even though, God, even though this happens, you're mine. Hey, God, if this happens, you're mine. Hey, God, if this happens, you're mine. That's a strengthening of the relationship between you and God that you need to nail down even right now. Now, Matt Chandler had a quote, and it says this, Faith 
doesn't mean an absence of fear. If you're looking for a world with an absence of fear, that doesn't exist. I, I heard something about, oh, about three or four weeks ago. I actually didn't hear it. I read it in one of my devotions and it really stuck with me. It goes like this, you know. Um, the opposite of faith is not fear. Haven't we heard that before? You know, fear and faith can't coexist. The, the, the opposite of faith is fear? No. The opposite of faith is sight. Is sight. Because when you're walking by sight, you are not walking by faith. When you live by sight, you are not walking by faith. And I'm going to look at me. Look at me. And if you've got a relationship with God that says, God, I will serve you if you're walking by sight. God calls us. We are people by faith. We walk by faith. We, you know, God is a God of faith. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we have got to nail this thing down and put in our lives. Now, it's a great story. You know, faith doesn't mean absence of fear. It means facing fear and trusting and trusting that God's goodness is greater. You don't even know who Matt Chandler is, probably. He was, um, is a young, younger pastor when he was 34 years old, up and coming, uh, young pastor, big church, growing a church, awesome, you know, the kind of guy you want to follow. And on Thanksgiving Day, 2009, he's playing with the kids in the family room, and all of a sudden things got really strangely quiet, and there's daddy, daddy, and mama goes in there, and there's daddy laid out on the floor and having a massive seizure. Well, of course, they called the ambulance and and took him to the hospital and got there and did the CAT scan and all of that. And they found a, a large tumor in his brain, in the frontal lobe of his brain. And it was cancer. It was cancer. That's the guy who wrote this. He knew about faith doesn't mean absence of fear. He knew that it means facing fear and trusting that God's goodness is greater. And listen, they did not know the outcome of that story. Well, now, here he is, what, 13, 14 years later, you know, still pastoring, you know, and, and his health is good, and we're grateful for that. But I promise you, Matt Chandler would have said, listen, it didn't depend on my recovery. It didn't depend on God performing like I wanted him to perform. It simply had to depend on that God is God. And no matter what, even if I choose to trust him. So even though I walk through, I walk through. Three words. One of them is particularly important. One of them is a bigger faith word. It's the word through. See, we're all going to walk. When we talk about the walk, we talk about doing life, all of us are going to do life. And I promise you, as you do life, you're going to bump, Lane, you're going to bump into some bumps. You're going to, you're going to have some, some messes. You're, you're going to have some things happen that are not going to be pleasant. You've got these things going on. The key word is through. Yeah, I'm walking through this world, okay, but I'm going through this world. I'm in transit with the world. I'm moving through with this world. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. See, this verse encourages us to look beyond, okay? Even though I walk through. Listen, this is a good verse. Let me read it to you. For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. That is so pregnant with meaning. It's so full 
of meaning. But I know, I know someone, you know, somewhere on Facebook or 102.3 or in this room or somebody who's going to watch this in the future are going, yeah, that's right, preacher. They, you know, Paul was talking, I know, but they, they may seem small to Paul. They're not very small to me. And they may seem short for Paul, but they're not very short. I get that. I get that. But what we got to do is speak a little commentary into this. As an example, for our present troubles, our present suffering, the things that we're going through, it could be that greatest fear, by the way. It could be that greatest fear. For our present troubles are small. Small. Doesn't seem very small, does it? Your heart's breaking today. Your health is falling apart. Economically, you're a mess. Emotionally, you're struggling. Spiritually, you're doubting. That doesn't seem very small. But what happens when all of that is compared to an awesome God? Now, what about it? When you compare your present troubles to a massive, can I use the word massive? To a massive God, all of a sudden that puts them in perspective. That's what Paul was doing. He said, hey, listen, compared to this massive God we serve, our troubles are small. And then the same thing, won't, they won't last very long. Dwayne, you don't know, I, I've, I'm dealing with some issues in my life that, that occurred to me when I was a child, I'm still dealing with them. Hey, Dwayne, I'm an adult, and I've been dealing with them for 10 years, and you know, I'm still dealing with them, and Dwayne, I'm going to deal with them, I'm going to deal with them, I'm going to deal with them. Dwayne, what about that? Well, let's put a little commentary in it. Can I ask you a question? How long is 50 years? Compared to eternity? Forever? How, how, long, how, how, long, how long is 80 years? Let's say you've had a bad life and you still manage to live 80 years. What's 80 years compared to eternity? What's, what's 80 years compared to a zillion? A bazillion? A forever and forever and forever? Oh, wait a minute, now you put that in perspective, all of a sudden, guess what? They won't last very long. You know, God gave me something while speaking, and I'm glad I think he gave it to me again. You know, your troubles don't follow you into heaven. Your rewards do, but your troubles, <laughs> your troubles don't follow you. So, so now, in comparison to your massive God, in comparison to the limited time you've got here, whether it's a few decades or a few years, what is that? All of a sudden, things get small. All of a sudden, things get short. And then listen to this. Yet they produce for us a glory. Can I challenge you today? Would you let me challenge you? What if you were willing today? You're going to think I'm crazy. What if, you, what if I were to challenge you today to look at your troubles and your suffering as an investment? As an investment. Because you see, Paul gives us an uh, uh, ROI. I don't know a whole lot about stocks and all that stuff, but I know an ROI is a return on investment. In other words, when you invest money in the stock market, you hope to get a return on your investment, and the bigger the return, the better it is. Well, Paul says, look at these troubles, these present troubles, as an investment. 
Because relatively speaking, they're small, and relatively speaking, they won't, they won't last very long. Yet they produce. These small and not too long troubles produce a glory for us, a reward for us, a result for us that vastly outweighs them. Oh, for you older folks, you Southern Gospel, it will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, one look at his dear face, and all sorrow will erase. I'm telling you, when you look at these troubles through the lens of God and through the lens of eternity, they produce for us a product, a result that vastly outweighs them. And how long does it last? Forever. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that wonderful? So yeah, even though, even though we have that, we, 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 are, we are walking, okay? We're walking through, okay? We're walking through. That's immensely powerful. Let me share this with you. Look at our teaching point. The he- now, you know, what's, you know what's great about trying to say a Hebrew word? If you're lucky, nobody has a clue what you're saying. English is not that way, okay? So let's just throw it out there, and then we'll pretend like I knew what I was talking about. The Hebrew word for it came to pass is wehi. But he, I, okay, is found over 700 times in the Bible. So over 700 times is translated, it came to pass, is translated, okay, Wahiai. The word Wahiai is it came to pass. It came to pass. You know, you know, here's what's great. It seems that God might be saying something like, it ain't here to stay. So the trouble, the trouble that you're going through right now, the, the burden you're carrying right now, God is telling you something. When you say, I walk through, he's saying, it's not forever. It's for a, this small trouble is worth for a short time. Now, to put it very smooth out there, it didn't come to stay, it came to pass. It didn't come to stay, it came to pass. Even though... I walk through the valley. The valley. Nobody wants the $5 value view. Look at our teaching point. Life is a series of mountaintops and valleys. Again, there are going to be sunny days. There are going to be cloudy days. There are going to be easy times. There's going to be hard times. Okay? And lots of more songs are written about mountaintops, especially Southern Gospel songs, you know, about mountaintops than valleys. Billy Graham said this, mountaintops are for views and inspiration. And they are. I mean, I love, I love going to the mountains. You know, Gene and I were sitting there. We, went, we rented a cabin down at Camp Andesant, uh, this you know, for Friday, Friday night. And we're sitting there, and, and we're standing on the deck, and there's the lake out there, the trees and all of that. And we were pretty inspired, just sitting 24 miles from our house. But the big show, the big show came that night. You know, I often have written and talked about the stars in Africa. Well, we had a crystal clear night, and, and Judy puts on her coat and stuff, and she goes outside, and she opened the door and said, Dwayne, come out here. And guys, I'm telling you, it was magnificent. The stars were just brilliant. Not any light was on out there, and the stars were just brilliant. And we loved that view. We, we, we are glad for mountaintops. We're on top of a hill. Mountaintops, you know, the views are great and they're inspirational. But you know what? Fruit doesn't grow on mountaintops. 
fruit grows in the valleys. Fruit grows. So what we have to do is we've got to learn to appreciate the views. We appreciate the mountaintops for what they are. We appreciate the top of the hill where you got the view for what it is. But we've got to learn. Somebody say, got to learn. This, this is not, listen, this is not an optional deal. For the Jesus follower, it's not an option deal. We've got to learn to embrace the valleys. We've got to see it as an investment. We've got to see it as something that one day God is going to use in heaven to reward us. And we say, man, you, you know, your faith was so strong in this valley. In the economy of God, valleys are an investment. In the economy of God, valleys are an investment. Now, in Psalm 65, 13, here's a great verse. You know, the meadows, the meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep. And the valleys are carpeted with grain. And notice it doesn't say the mountaintops. It says the meadows, the lower areas, the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. And it's a game, listen, it's a game changer in life. Boy, I, look, I see some young families out here. Get it while you're young. Nail it down. I've got a God of even though, and my faith is going to be that strong. No matter what happens, I'm going to keep my faith. And what you're going to find out, when the valleys come, you see them for what they are. You see them for what they are, and you're able to thank God for them. You know, valleys are, are what some person, well, actually what I said, but I think I grabbed it from somewhere. You know, valleys are the soil for our souls. Valleys are the soil for our, sh- our souls, and faith is the fertilizer. We grow in valleys. We don't grow in mountaintops. Our faith grows in the valleys. It doesn't grow in the mountain tops. So we come down now to 23D, the shadow of death, or the darkest hour, the darkest valley, the darkest valley. Now, what's the key word here? The key word is that word, Shadow. That's our key word. Now, here's the deal. If you're here without Jesus Christ and your greatest fear is death, you've got a great, greatest fear because you should fear that. Because for you, without Jesus, it's not the shadow of death, it's the valley of death. And without Jesus, the last heartbeat will come, the last breath will be taken. And your eternity will be marked with the total absence of God in a place called hell. For you, it's not the shadow of death. It's reality. It's death. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died on a Roman cross and paid for our sins. That's why they buried him. That's why he came back to life. Because he can give us the hope of not only life here, but life there. He wants to turn your valley, not into the, from the valley of death, to the valley of of the shadow of death. Right here, I've got a shadow. You can't see it, but if you look down, you can see, I can see your shadows from here. You know, you know you've, got, you've got a shadow here, you've got me, and then you have this light up here. And this light is shining down on me, and as the light hits me, it casts a shadow. What I'm trying to say is, is that the shadow of death is the light of Jesus. The reason the valley of the shadow of death is a shadow of death is because Jesus is there. Let's look at what, what D.L. Moody said. Go ahead and skip that one there, Nancy. Go to D.L. The valley of the shadow of death holds no darkness. For the child of God, 
The valley of the shadow of death holds no darkness for the child of God. There must be light, else there could be no shadow. Isn't that, wasn't that like a, a masterful lawyer? He says, think about it. If there's going to be a shadow, that means in this valley there has to be a light. And who is the light? The light is Jesus. And he has overcome death. How powerful is that? See, guys, we reduce this Christian thing to coming to church. We reduce it down to hearing a guy talk and singing a few songs. We reduce it down to maybe reading our Bible once or twice a week. But when you start grasping hold of the power of the gospel, when, when you start grasping hold the real meaning of the God of even though, that there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing greater than your God. No matter what your greatest fear is, God is bigger. God is bigger. When you start owning that and grasping that, when you start understanding that, that you know, there must be light or else there could be no shadow, that if death is your greatest fear, that the fact that he calls it the valley, the shadow of death, that means there has to be light, and that light is Jesus, and he's overcome death, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And then we come down to our teaching point. Shadows may be seen, but never feared. A shadow cannot hurt you. It may be a portrayal of what can, but a shadow can never hurt you. It can be seen, but never feared. The shadow of the great dragon is powerless for those who know the king of light. We do not have to fear because our God is greater than the thing that we fear. And then he goes on and says in verse uh, 23, 4e, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. There's no evil big enough that I have to fear. Why? Because our God is bigger than the greatest evil. You remember I talked to you one time and I said this? <coughs> Excuse me. I talked about the fact that God does good. Does God do good? Amen. Yeah. But do you understand that God is good? Amen. That's different. That's different. God does good, but God is good. The very essence of who God is, is good. And the opposite of good is evil. And we will fear no evil because if your God of good is greater than the evil one, Satan, or whatever you want to throw, whatever name you want to assign, boy, if your God is greater, you can say, I fear no evil. Because my good God is greater than Satan's evil. That, that was a good place for an amen. My good God is greater than evil. I will fear no evil. In Psalm 56, 3. But when I am afraid, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. Remember we learned a while back that what God promises always comes to pass. God is not a promise breaker. He's a promise keeper. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? If your greatest fear is death, and Jesus has turned death into nothing but a shadow, what can mere mortals even do to you? That's incredibly powerful. 
especially when we own it, especially when we believe it. So we wind up with this. Psalm 23, 4, the last, last part. You are with me. God, you're with me. In the darkest place, you're with me. When I'm so lonely, you are with me. When it seems my world is crumbling around me, you are with me. Max Lucado said this, you know, God's present is his presence. Let that soak in just a moment. Don't move too fast by that. God's present is his presence. His greatest gift is himself. When you leave this place, God doesn't stay in this building. He goes with you. If you're a child of God now, if you're a Jesus follower, when you leave this building, God goes with you. And when you face that greatest fear, whatever it is out there, your greatest calamity, I want you to know that God's going to be there for you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. You know, when the boys were in the boat out on the lake, you know, they see Jesus walking toward them. And so here's, here's what they say. They said, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear, and they cried out. And they said, it's a ghost! And they weren't talking about the Holy One. <laughs> you, you'll get it about lunchtime. Okay. And their fear, they cried, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Now look at me, please. I want you to know something. Jesus' message for us today is don't be afraid. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know, you know, 90% of what we worry about never comes true anyway, okay? But if it does, you need to know something. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here, and he will be here. David Brenner, our last quote for the day, David Brenner said, you know, we cannot attain the presence of God. We cannot attain the presence of God. We're already totally in the presence of God. So what's missing? Dwayne, why don't I feel like the presence of God is here? Awareness. Awareness. You know, Jean and I sleep in a king-size bed. And invariably, we get up at different times. And sometimes we totally miss it. Like this morning, you know, we had this rule, first off. Don't have this rule. Judy insists that we make the bed every day, okay? And the last person in has to make the bed. So I wake up about this morning. It was like 5.20, I think. No, it's 5 o'clock. It was 5 o'clock. I woke up, and I gently rolled over. She was gone. <laughs> I had to make the bed. But you know what's crazy? So often, there's an awareness. She'll get up and she'll get up and say, I, I, I know when you left. And generally speaking, I'll say, I know when you left. Not all the time, but most of the time. There's an awareness. I want you to know that God's here for you. Just be aware of that. And how you do that? By faith. You believe. You choose to believe. Even though, even though, statement of faith, I walk through. I'm not there to stay. The valley, dark times, hard times, but times when our faith grows of the shadow of death. He robbed death of its power. I'm not going to fear evil. 
Because my good God is greater than that evil. And you are with me. And guess what? He is. He is. Would you bow your heads right there, please? Thank you so much for listening today. I really, you know, I saw this sermon as one of those sermons that's kind of like a tool you can't do without. Like I told you a long time ago, I had to face one of my greatest fears. And it was really difficult for me. And I know somebody in this room today is facing that greatest fear. I want you to know your God's faithful. And if you've not signed up yet, God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you that you could have forgiveness of your sin. He paid the price so you didn't have to. They nailed him to a Roman cross. He wasn't murdered or martyred. He was sacrificed of his own accord. He gave his life for you. And then he says this, that if you'll call on him, if you'll believe in him by faith, turning from your old life and turning to your new life, he'll give you eternal life. It's a promise. And he doesn't break his promise. Remember, he's a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. I'll be standing down front, and if I can help you with that, I'd be more glad to tell you all about, much as I know about Jesus. If you're here today, though, and you're a Jesus follower, I hope today that you'll take home that my faith in God is an even-though faith. There are no deal-breakers with me and God. I'm in it all the way. To put it another way, I'm in it to win it. I'm in it to win it. So God, thank you so much for being that kind of a God. I want to thank you for these dear people who got up and came to church today. I pray the worship was a blessing. I pray the word and the fellowship was a blessing. Thank for the ones who watched on Facebook. Thank for the ones who listened on the radio. And Father, may these truths, Father, strengthen us, strengthen us in our lives today. And Jesus, I pray it in your precious name. Amen.